This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. Three peeps in the podcast. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, Robin's Review. We travelled on the City Away Travel Coach to witness a moment that we will never forget. The last minute winner from Captain on the Day, Matty James, sent the away end into absolute chaos. City were in control for the vast majority of the game against a Millwall side that created little. We've been on the end of many games like this where we deserved to win but lost. So it was really refreshing that we actually won this one. That's four points from six in the league with key players out injured and a new player likely or maybe even two. Who knows? But uh, things are certainly looking up for us now, Matt. Great to get that win. And what a great day out. Yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? Um, I think like you said, as, as the game went into injury time, especially when, and, and I know we'll talk about it, but especially when they had their late free kick, you kind of thought a game that we we dominated really, not maybe the stats don't show it, but certainly being there, you could sense from the atmosphere, the way that the Millwall crowd were, we controlled the game probably, but it's a better way of saying it than dominated. Never really looked in under any threat, but you just felt there might be a sting in the towel. Um, so for, for Matty James to score the goal, the manner of the goal and then the celebrations. Um, and then let's be honest, a bit of a throwback to dark times in terms of the way that there was a reaction. Um, I would suggest probably from both fans, although we could only see being up a tier from the Millwall fans getting over barriers, gesticulating and, and coming towards and, and obviously police and stewards having to get involved. So you don't want to see that, but I think that was all part of that atmosphere. Um, and it was it was a fantastic fantastic result. Um, yeah. And if we'd said after two games we'd beat Brest, Preston and we'd drawn away at Millwall, we'd be going, "This is brilliant." You know, mm. the fact it was the other way round doesn't really matter, does it? So four points from two games, happy days. Yeah, great day out, mate. Yeah, and people will look at that, you know, not connected with City and say, "Oh, that was, you got a lucky win," you know, with yeah. the last minute winner and things like that. But it was far from that. It wasn't a smash and grab. It was. We just grind it out. We're really patient and and got our got our rewards come the end. It's funny um, because I've seen a couple of people describe it as smash and grab, um, and it just wasn't. Um, I guess that's probably used out of context because it was a last minute winner. Um, but but genuinely throughout the game, as I say, I've been to Millwall plenty of times. I felt that we were up against the cosh. Um, but we looked threatening, and I know the stats in terms of goals on target don't show that. But they're back three that some of we've even talked about for us. I think Cooper is one that's been talked about. They look so slow. And um, I genuinely feel a fit Tommy Conway would have caused them all sorts of problems. I know he's gone and we'll absolutely talk about it. But Alex Scott would have caused them all sorts of problems. But the team we got did. And we know your your point is, is so relevant, Patch. We know we've got players to come back in. We know McCrory... And you can talk about, you know, you've you've spoken this week about him to somebody. Mm. McCrory's going to add something to it. They're talking about the lad Thomason from Bolton. And it, and it seems, from what's in Bristol Live, um, and I know Bristol Live don't report stuff unless they, they know there's a degree of um, truth in it. This Thomason 
talking about coming in and potentially someone else. So it's really positive when after Thursday, you know, with what happened with Alex Scott, there was probably a few doom and gloom merchants out there and you're kind of thinking, <laughs> well, wait and see. Let's just wait and yeah. see. So just on that Ross McCrory comment, I was speaking to a big Aberdeen fan and he's described him as a Rolls Royce of a player. Um, I think we've only used that in in some terms or by Adam Webster and a few others. We'll, in... we'll use it. We will be using that today for another player. Oh, excellent. Look forward to yeah. that. Um, but yeah, he he said he would his best position for him uh, was as a number eight. Uh, so right, okay. you know, I think we we're, we're looking to play him more as a, a right back, right wing back. But yeah. um, remains and to he's... be seen. He said that, not that this makes any difference, but McCrory said that himself, didn't he? That he sees himself as a right-side defender. Mm. But Naismith sees himself as a defender, and obviously Pearson doesn't. So, yeah. But yeah. Right, so Lee's three words were perfect professional performance. Um, and we'll do our check-in before we bring in our guest, Matt. So how are you out of 10 this morning? Got to be a good night, mate. Um, you know, what one nil away. Um I like Anthony Joshua as well, and Josh won last night. So um, happy days. So yeah, well, you know, you, you can't be any better than that, can you? Yeah. Um, I'll well, go, you I'll can. Go... You could be a ten. Well, you can. <laughs> but, yeah, 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 you can. Um, I'll I'll go a nine because I've recovered from a little bit of disappointment this morning. Disappointment this morning in that uh, I I did wake up about twenty past six this morning and thought, oh, I wonder if the balloons have gone up. Saw the green smoke video on Twitter. So. Woke the kids up, said, come on, let's go down, watch them uh, fly over the city again, drive down into town. So get them up, drive down, and uh, one balloon went up, uh, like a pilot goes up, and then they determine whether there was a mass ascent or not, and they decided not to. So that was a little bit of deflation, but I won't let it ruin uh, ruin my day, because uh, it was a great day yesterday. Loved coming home and seeing the highlights and watching Match of the Day for the, I was I always watch, you know, at least the first one of the season. Or yeah. like the banter between Lineker and Shearer, especially especially last night. But uh, yeah, stick with a nine. Right, let's bring in our guest. So Paul Binning, the exiled Robin, who uh, I understand, Paul, you were on holiday for a day yesterday and couldn't make the game. So, uh, but how are you out of 10? Yeah, yeah, short little trip across the continent for yesterday afternoon. Um, uh, yeah, very solid nine, I think. Um, I spent yesterday morning watching my son's team play football. We had a friendly and got absolutely drenched in monsoon conditions. Oh, and the lad came up to me and said, I want to come off. And I was like, what's the matter? He went, I can't see. I like, no, you can't come off you can't see. You just got to get on with it. <laughs> 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 but then, uh, we came home, dried off, watched the Lionesses win, watched City win. Um, I got a nice chilled day ahead with a couple of games of football too. So, yeah, all good. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love that. Fantastic. Right. Uh, so, we'll talk about the starting lineup first of all. And... Um, Paul, come to you first. Your thoughts on that starting lineup? There was one change from the Preston game, uh, obviously going for Sykes over Cornick and lining up more 4 3 3. Yeah, uh, I wasn't entirely surprised by that. I think Cornick has done okay in his performances today, but probably no more than okay. Uh, I think there was a surprise, a little surprise amongst many on the first day. Sykes hadn't been given the nod. So I, I think. There's going to be a lot, a lot of rotation in those front sort of four or five positions or you know, or three positions with four or five players all season. And I don't think we could be entirely surprised in any given game, I don't think, when one player maybe gets the nod. So, yeah, not surprised at all to see that. Um, I don't know whether maybe, you know, maybe Joe Bryan, bit extra pace, but maybe the, the Preston left-back had they wanted uh, you know, Sykes in there to test him and stretch him a little bit. Um, but, yeah, yeah, spot on team selection. Yeah, Matt, there was one question mark again for you over Pringham Roberts, but 
Pring kept the shirt from the league game was my argument. Yeah, I think because Roberts was so impressive the other night, um, you know, I think that 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 discussion would have certainly been had. Um, I also sort of said last week that for me, the pre-season, he, he had that as well. But Pring had credit in the bank, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and, it, and it's interesting. There, there are a few things I sort of read on social media and I've listened to um, that talked about Pring and that, that you know, potentially he didn't have a, a great game yesterday and um, is one, he was definitely looking over his shoulder. Goes to Paul's point about competition. Actually, Pring for us yesterday, certainly up until halftime, was our man of the match. It was much more of a Cam Pring performance. Um, and I think that's good management from Nigel Pearson. He stuck with him, but said, must have said, you've seen what, what Hayden can bring. Um, and it's what we want. It's, it's, it's key to any successful side that you've got competition for places. And if a player doesn't perform, yeah. he's, you know, he's dropped out and replaced. So, yeah, I thought, I thought it was the right choice, like Paul said. I think that there was talk last week that Sykes... Um, I know that was Wednesday. He wasn't yeah, very well. That's right. Um, so yeah, him, him coming back in was was the right call. I felt yesterday. Yeah, and on the Pring front as well. Absolutely, he was my man of the match in the first half. And yeah. I think it was only the fact that he picked up that booking, which probably shouldn't have been a booking for me. Um, that he thought right, Roberts is coming on because we didn't want Pring picking up another one when the game gets stretched. So yeah, first first time we're looking on the booking, we didn't think it was from our end, but I think it goes back to that being in control and I think it, it looked like he won the ball but his momentum took the player out as well and, and that seems to lead to a free kick but yeah Paul No I was just thinking on substitutions I, I think we're seeing I think we started to see it at the end of last season I think it was a QPR last year we brought three forwards on at 60 minutes Yeah I think we're very much starting to see Nigel Pearson move towards this almost finishers thing from sort of rugby Yeah he's yeah got, He's got the three forwards well two forwards now Conway injured but he's got three forwards and Roberts in particular who I don't think any one of us could say their first choice versus their second choice per se, but yeah, right. it's a pair of four players to bring on an hour to fresh legs, pace. And I think he's starting to look at how you do, and he's, he's obviously tried to pat Lamb a lot at rugby. And I think he's starting to think like that a bit more. They're not substitutes. Yeah. They're not, they're not coming on to replace tired legs. They're coming on to boost our team. And, and again, Naismith did yesterday. He's maybe not quite full fitness yet, but he came on absolutely not out of place at all. And I think we're starting to see that with our squad. We've got five or five or six who can come off a bench and yeah. improve the team at an hour, not just replace tired legs. A great point. A really and point. and yeah. one, one thing on that is I think the players are starting to see it that way as well, rather than, Oh no, I'm not in the starting lineup. It's I've got the important job now of coming mm -hmm. on and finishing this game off. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really good point. Do, do you think by the end of the season, Naki will see it that way? And that actually, it's good for <laughs> some, some players will never see it yeah. that way. Uh, he's one of them, yes. for sure. Right, let's get to the minutes then. Um, before the start of the game, there was really touching tributes to John Gregory Berylson, um, who obviously meant a great deal to Millwall, and I thought that the the montage they did before the game and also the tributes that the City fans joined in with several minutes of applause um, throughout throughout that sort of 15-minute period, Matt. And it was quite emotional, quite an emotional 15 minutes, to be fair. It was. It was. Um, clearly a man, as you say, that meant a lot to the the, the club and the fan base, um, I think is um, was very, very popular with, with players and staff. And, and you saw some of that footage with the likes of Neil Harris, Kenny Jackett, um, is it Steve Morrison, the ex-forward, the Cardiff 
manager for that time, um, clearly shown what he meant. And, and his, I think his son is now taken over from him, but to have his family there as well. And yeah, it was, it was impeccably observed by Bristol City fans. Mm. I didn't hear one, um, one chant that wasn't positive, wasn't, you know, the applause. There was no booing. Um, so credit and, and actually credit to Millwall, both before the game, recognising how accommodating and, and um, understanding Bristol City as a club had been about what they planned to do. And then also the stadium match day announcer yeah. referenced it at half time, didn't he, about how well it had been observed in thanking us. So, and uh, I've seen lots you know, of pictures of, you know, when they show Bristol City uh, away you know, following yeah. on away days and things like that. Yeah. And Millwall fans have come and come on there and said, you know, massive thank you for the way that you yeah. guys were, uh, you know, recognised the, the and like, tributes. Like I said, Patch, at the start of the, the, the call, yes, there were incidents after we scored that you don't want to see in football, but all of that beforehand is is what football should be about. And, and for two sets of fans to recognise the importance and and celebrate his life was was touching is something that his family will remember forever as well. So yeah, it was it was it was brilliant both by both clubs. Okay, fourth minute, Joe Bryan corner after Campering almost denies it with some good defending. Uh, there was mixed reaction to Joe Bryan, and we kind of expected that with with uh, the sort of the goings on preseason. But Joe Bryan did clap the City fans, and he also clapped. The Millwall fans as well. Um, not, you know. not in that order. He did go what he should do: home fans first, and then, yes, then very true, it. very true. But uh, yeah, obviously that that relationship has been slightly tarnished, Paul, uh, with the goings on preseason. But I think he's come out now and just said didn't feel it was the right thing for him. Um, and always nice to see former players. Yeah, I think there's an element of the fan base will automatically boo someone like that and especially when it yeah he got close to coming back but uh, you know Joe did some fantastic things for our club and provided some probably some of our most memorable moments over the last decade individually if you just look at him on his own um some of the goals he scored and some of his moments so great to see him I and we already touched on Hayden Roberts I think the fact we've got a left back who people are thinking we might want him a team alongside Cam Pring I think that whole Joe Bryan incident just be very quickly forgotten if, yeah. if Roberts comes on and Pring's strong you know, yeah we don't we don't need him in that position so Let's move on. Yeah, okay. absolutely. 20th minute, Matt. Good work down the right. Naki Wells gets a cross in towards Bell, but it's cut out. So we had to wait 20 minutes for our first real attack. Yeah, it was from both teams. Very, um, very cagey again. A bit, a bit like a chess match. And we were playing the wrong, the wrong sort of football early on, I think. That Mill have got three big centre house. You've got to get the ball down. Um, in behind them and getting them turned quickly. We weren't quite doing that. We weren't getting it wide quickly enough. Um, and I will say, um, Kevin, who was sat next to us, um, who lives in Brighton, but is a, a Bristol City fan, um, listens to the podcast. It was nice, nice to meet him yesterday. But he was saying how brilliant Mackie Wells is at crossing the ball. <laughs> and he is. I mean, it was a great cross in. You needed him in there as well. And I, and I do, you know, again, we'll talk about it, but with Tommy now being out for three months, I do question whether we do need at the top end of the pitch. Is there an option that we look at from a, a loan perspective, um, or or is is Ephraim Yaboa going to be that that player? So interesting one. But yeah, there wasn't a lot to talk about, was there, in that first twenty minutes? Yeah, Paul, what's your view on this situation? Obviously, Naki Wells is our starter. 
Um, and he seems to go for then Bell uh, to go into that position. And then it's your Boa towards the end of the game. If the last couple of games are anything to go by, do we need different options? I think a manager would always like different options. Uh, how you get a different option for an injury that's you know only 11, 12 weeks, I don't know, because you don't want to go and shell out a £2 million loan fee for someone. You don't want to buy someone and then end up with seven forwards to fit into three positions, um, you know, sort of come October, November. I don't know how bad Andy Vyman's injury is, whether that would make any sort of difference, whether he's an option there as well, because I certainly don't think you'd want to oh, be disrupting that midfield that's triangle. Yeah, that's good. Um, so where does Andy play? Can he play further forward or can he play, you know, he don't like it, but wide left and let Sam come in. But again, I think I think Naki's going to start in the middle, but you absolutely, yeah. but the, what we saw this time last season was the partnership between Wells and Conway up front where we scored a lot of goals with Naki Wells running that channel and getting the ball in, but Conway was there on the six-yard box arriving yeah. to score. And yeah, someone needs to be doing that. And maybe it's just working on Sam Bell to get him in earlier from the flank and be in that position. Yeah, they're, they're the three out-and-out strikers. Andy Vyman started out, I think, really, as a yeah, out-and-out yeah, out striker yeah, yeah. and, and is an option. Yeah. He's he's obviously out-injured. I don't know if there's any news on 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 when he comes back. He, he was there yesterday, wasn't he, and, and celebrating on the pitch at the end. Yeah, which um, was great to which see. Which was good as, to as see. Club so, captain. you know, yeah. Um, obviously, Cornick as well is another potential option of, of someone who can play up there. So, so that yes, there there are options, and I think almost the harsh reality on someone like Seb Palmer Holden is that if he was there, he probably would be ahead of Yaboa um, mm. and be on the pitch yesterday at Mill rather than scoring for Newport County. Yeah, potentially. Um, I think it's the right thing for Seb. I think his development needs to play minutes week in week out and he seems to be doing that mm. um it's just if if we were to look at it i think it's more of a um a, i was going to say a physical number nine and i don't mean a throwback necessarily but just a player that, that actually can hold the ball up and bring it in now mill will spend i don't know what a million two million on nisbet yesterday the, the kid from hibs did did nothing at all didn't get any service but did nothing. And you look at that and think, well, Paul's point, you don't want to spend a load of money on a player that isn't going to, A, improve you long-term and potentially is only going to be for sort of three months, which is maybe where the loan comes in. But, you know, when Nigel Pearson talked about the lad from Palace and that we were being asked to pay four times what he was on or something to, to get him on loan, you think, well, that that's not money well spent, is it? So maybe we go with what we've got, yeah. Let's move on. 22nd minute, Millwall on the attack. Good block from Viner. Then up the other end, Wells knocks the ball towards goal. And for me, there was definite contact with the hand of the defender. No penalty. Paul, obviously watching that one on TV. I don't know if you've got a replay, but what do you think? It it wasn't totally clear. I think it was a it was a it was a half penalty shout, I would say. If it's one of those that, you know, if it'd been given against you, you'd have been Well, we need a whole and a half penalty shout to get a penalty. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think it could have been given. Um, I think did it hit his hand, Paul? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, did. It did. Hit hand. So um, did you, did you see there. match of the day last night with Lewis Dunk's penalty? Yeah, we, I, and funny enough, I saw that and watched that and thought, yeah, not not any different. I mean, but I didn't really think Dunk's was a no, exactly. I mean, his is like I think <laughs> is the back of his arm, his elbow. Well, yeah, he turned his back to it. He's he? turned and his and back. And, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, but again, I, I 
I'm not entirely 100% sure what the handball law is in yeah, that sense. Even, yeah, knows, yeah, if, if it's in an unnatural position, it's hit his hand, and yes, it should have been given a penalty. But yeah, um, yeah and probably, possibly, would have been then on if we'd had VAR. We'll yeah. have to wait till we get to the Premier League to get a penalty for that then. <laughs> yeah. Right, 26-minute corner to City, which was a good delivery from Campring, uh, but Millwall on the attack straight after. Joe Williams pulls down the Millwall player, gets a book in, and Matt, he was basically trying to get uh, a bit of a piggyback, I think, wasn't he? <laughs> it was very much like the Luke Nyan one on Alex Scott's away at Sunderland <laughs> last season, where it was kind of grabby shit. Oh, I've not kind of got enough of it. Then I'm going to grab him a little bit more in. Clearly going to be a book in. Um one of those where it's it's a needless booking, but potentially they're on the break. And so, you know, maybe that's one of the things we've not done in years gone by. Um, so maybe it was the right kind of booking. So, yeah. yeah. But I but guess you're walking a tight rate then, especially if you're in yeah. midfield and you're Jay Williams. Exactly, exactly. 32nd minute, Sam Bell pressure creates a chance, but he doesn't shoot quick enough and his eventual cross is then cut out and it's a corner. It's a good delivery from James and a chance for Sykes. But seemingly at that point, someone in the crowd was receiving medical attention. And Matt, there was a situation there where I think Matty James was almost saying to the ref, do we need to halt the game for a minute or two? Because the Millwall fans are going nuts Um, and it definitely impacted that passage of play. Yeah. the, the Millwall fans, when the ball went in, they they kept hold of the ball and were, were obviously clearly showing the referee and the, the, the players that there was a medical incident there. But with multi-ball, obviously there's now plenty of balls mm. around the pitch. But Matty James walked over to Keith Strade um, and it was a Keith Strade performance yesterday, <laughs> um, but walked over to Keith Strade and, and was told to get on with it. And then Millwall booed Matty James for kind of carrying on but clearly been given that directive from from the referee so um yeah it's i don't know it but probably because of where it was we we couldn't see the severity of it um and it seemed to calm down fairly quick, quickly after that didn't it but in terms of the chance for Sykes again I've I've read in and heard people sort of saying why didn't he lift it over he just had to react and the defenders just threw themselves out I think the ball then breaks for Naki and um and got blocked in a way, but I don't, I don't put anything down to Sykes there. I think he he pulled off and actually took up a good position. It was just good defending in the end to block it. Yeah. Any, any difference on opinion for that one, Paul? No, the, the incident, I didn't really clock at all on watching it. I think the the feeling was that they just chucked the ball on a few seconds earlier and disrupted play. And I think we thought Matt James was going to, was saying, are they going to do that again now? Because they've got the ball in the crowd, so they're going to disrupt our corner. So we didn't know that that was going on at all. Yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, the stats didn't show dominance earlier, Patch. And I think that sort of this sort of series of play was quite symptomatic about. We had a lot of the ball in and around the area. We were not quite getting shots away and not quite being, yeah, doing it early enough. So the shots don't show up on the stats, but we were in and around their area. It felt like an yeah. awful lot in that first half, but just not, not, yeah. The... The sinking didn't seem quite right. I think there was a couple of times when Wells was laying a ball off to Sykes and they just they weren't quite on the same on the same sheet. Yeah, Sykes had come in, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it just wasn't quite quite sort of rhythmic and smooth yesterday in that sense. Um, and really good yeah, point. had it been, I think you could have actually we could have ended up winning a lot, bit, you know, by a lot bigger score lines. I think we'd have taken a, advantage of that point. Yeah, yeah spot absolutely. Yeah. So, Paul, you can take this one. A heavy shove on Sam Bell from the Millwall defender, which was literally on the edge of the 18-yard box, who, after looking at the replay, uh, which I did last night, 
was he was clearly looking at Sam Bell, not at the ball. Yeah. Um, and no foul given, not even a free kick, no penalty. Um, so yeah, your thoughts on that one. No, for a guy that spent most of the afternoon with his whistle in his mouth, Keith Stroud sort of managed to miss <laughs> that one, but picked his moment. Oh, yeah. and a hundred percent a foul. I don't think you can argue about whether it was a penalty or not. It's very hard to see on the angle of the camera. Um, some would have given, some not. But yeah, absolutely a foul. I just don't know what Stroud was looking at, to be honest. It was just, yeah. That one be... I couldn't believe, Matt. I thought that's definitely a penalty, it, or it, a it, free it, kick it, or a penalty. It, I mean, what I would say, it's consistent with the challenge on Mark Sykes um, against Oxford, Oxford in yeah. the week. Um, there's a difference between shoulder to shoulder with the ball in, you know, um, your domain, if you like. Mm. But there wasn't with this one with McNamara. The ball isn't near them. He is a good sort of three, four, five yards away from it. And barges into Bell, but from behind. So it's not shoulder to shoulder. It's into his back. It's a clear free kick. Um, Premeditated. Yeah. <laughs> like you say, he knew what he was doing. He was looking at him. But, but um, I mean, we all thought immediately it was a penalty. Um because we felt he was in, but is it the far end? And if you couldn't see on the TV, then we we had no chance. It was of, literally on the line. Of knowing. On the yeah. Replay. So so if he, if Sam Bell's on the line, it should should have been a penalty. But de- definite free kick. Um, which there were then a couple of other challenges during the game, which looked like we'd got the ball that he then gives free kicks for, and you sort of think there's just there's just not that level of consistency. And mm. I do know they're trying to let the game this season be more physical and let it flow more. And I, I'm all for that. So there was one occasion where Keystride did play the advantage yeah. um, from, from memory and, and it did work out as a, as an yeah. attack, but and I'm all yeah. for it as long as it, it's the right decision. And, and that one for me clearly wasn't. So I thought break... the, the last two games we've had actually have been quite consistent. Yeah. Had a lot yeah you're right. Have. There's a big difference between physicality and a shoulder to shoulder than a, a blatant foul yeah. and shot. Yeah. yeah. City break again moments later when Wells is away, but he has little support and loses the ball. Bell almost got there on the left-hand side and Sykes was a bit too far back. And and Matt, you know, Naki Wells is capable of carrying the ball forward, taking a man on, but he comes inside and just needs a bit more support with him, doesn't he? Looked like he, he couldn't really make his mind up whether he was going to go alone and really run at them. Um, or was waiting for that support. And yeah, it was one of those moments where you could almost see Sam Bell screaming, but just not quite able to get to the place where Naki could then sort of play him in. So, but it showed again for me that running it there three at the back was what we needed to do. And and again, sort of um, apologies for mirroring what Paul said, but absolutely we were total control and causing them all sorts of problems but if you weren't at the game and you were looking at stats, you wouldn't see that and wouldn't have realised just how comfortable we were, really. Um, so just those moments, yeah. yeah. Now, one of my biggest bugbears is set pieces and not clearing yep. the first man. So I apologise for this already, Matty James. But 40th minute, City win a free kick and a chance to get the ball in the box. But Matty James fails to clear the first man. No excuse for that whatsoever in capital letters. Um Matt, I know you probably share that, but Paul, any any excuse for not clearing the first man, especially in the 40th minute when you've been playing so well? I think the only excuse, and I got feeling I might have said this last season here, they're going, they're trying to be so precise to get that ball just over in Matt's slot. But a bit like when I guess Max O'Leary's trying to find someone on the touchline, you can't always get it spot on. It's going to go into touch sometimes. But I actually thought Matty James's corners yesterday 
were very good. Well, they've always called out two yeah. at least that I yeah. said good corners. Um, and that shows yeah. when Naismith came on, he came straight on, took over corners and knocked a couple into first man. So yeah. I thought James's corner delivery was very good yesterday. Yeah, there's another, there's it, another rant coming up later on as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it'll be a, I think it'll be an eternal frustration to fans who couldn't, you know, largely have played some element of the game and can knock a corner over into the goal area and wonder why a professional footballer can't do it. But I do think it's that element of they're, they're trying to get it on such a, a narrow sort of band of, you know, scope, I guess, in terms of just overhead, but not be too high and too loopy, but you keep and just just come and claim it, which obviously is a big alternative if you if you whip it in higher. Yeah, I'm not having it. Dent Magic, your Bristol-based car body repair company. Visit us at Cribs Causeway or Central Bristol, or we can even come to you with our mobile service at your home or workplace. Have you got a scuff, scratch or dent on your vehicle? Dent Magic can fix them all. If you need the magic touch for your vehicle, visit www.dentmagic.net to get your quick quote online today. Right, halftime <laughs> summary. Certainly a brighter first half than last week's opener. We've more than matched Millwall and tension is clearly creeping into the home support, growing as the half wore on with us taking a stronger hold in the game. In saying that, our clinicality in the final third could have been better. Naki has lost the ball carelessly on occasion, seemingly but strangely not on the same wavelength as Sykes, who nonetheless had a good opportunity as the ball broke to him at the far post from a corner. With four on the deck in front of him, he failed to lift his effort over them. Bell remains a threat, but maybe could have made more of a half chance when breaking into the box late on. He was also very dubiously cleaned out on the edge of the area when threatening to get onto a loose ball. Looked like a foul to me, did to me as well. All in all, a mostly promising half with Viner and Pring having very assured performances at the back. More of the same with an extra touch of composure and there's definitely a chance of a win. Matt, you having that? Yeah, yeah, I think he's spot on there, Rob. Um, it was, you know, it, it was a, a much better performance than it had been the week before. Um, so, yeah, no, I think he's spot on. Yeah, and uh, I should say that uh, the halftime summary is brought to you by RB Spoke Quizzes. Uh, I won't read out the advert again. Can't be bothered. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Um, you'll get it enough. Right, halftime stats, Paul. 42% possession to Millwall, 58% possession to City. Uh, no shots on target for City, no shots off target for City, but it does say total shots for, so God knows where they went. Um, it was a it was a a good half, but a, but a frustrating one a little bit as well. It was, but I think you know away at Millwall, you're going to be you're going to settle for that. As you said, we'd probably settle yeah. for a draw. In all honesty, yeah, you know, even if it's, it's only it's, it's, it's a strange but, one, isn't it? You you, you say. Having a chat before in the in the fan village at Millwall, yeah. which was uh, sponsored by Reggae, I think. Um, the fan village, one beer thing and one hot dog. I was <laughs> quite impressed. I, I expected a lot less, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they had a sign up saying "Welcome Bristol City" and and all of that. So yeah, yeah. that was good. Um, but you say, oh, settle for a draw today, won't we? But then as the game starts, you think, no, mm. we absolutely won't settle for a draw. Yeah, I mean, what I think about possession shows. I think I I've mean, said on Twitter. I thought Matty James took control of that game in the very first minute and didn't give it up until the 94th. Um, we we controlled midfield. We absolutely dominated their, their three in midfield and working in our triangle. And he, yeah, equally, he couldn't have done that without the support from Williams and Knight in particular. But also, I would say, um, yeah, it was likes of Sykes and Bell and Pring who were stopping their guys having the outlet because I would, yeah, we'll come on to um, the ratings, obviously, in a bit. I thought Sykes was a little bit below par. But then when I think back, 
Joe Bryan did absolutely nothing all day. And is that Joe Bryan having an off day or is that Sykes working really hard and stopping him doing anything? And I think that that was, I guess, symptomatic all over the pitch. But we just, I thought we controlled midfield the whole the whole afternoon. I think that was yeah. Bristol City fan Joe Bryan's performance yesterday. <laughs> um, 46th minute. Now, Matt, we've been very good in the 46th minute recently. Um, yes. But uh, it was a bright start. Again, very patient build up, a deep byline cross from Knight for Pring and he slides in and just can't quite get enough on it to steer it goalward. No, but what I loved was the fact that Pring's at the back post and and if you're playing that sort of formation, you need your wing backs coming in at the back post. Um, There was a moment in the first half where I can't think who it was that put the ball in and we had, it might have been... um, might have been night, but we had no one at the back post at all. And so it yeah. went out harmlessly when you're sort of thinking Sykes had probably come in too far. George hadn't got forward in it. And, and in fairness to George, I don't know whether at that moment that would have been the right thing from an attacking point of view, yeah. but to see Pringy at the back, probably in hindsight, if, and I, I, again, we've only watched it the first time, if he could have pulled it back, great. Cause the angle was going to be so difficult to score from, but yeah, no, it was great to see him getting in there. Paul, and as I first... say, much more of a campering performance for me yesterday. Yeah, no, 100%. And Paul, that's the first time I think we've mentioned Jason Knight and that tenacity getting into the box, getting right to the byline. Into It was almost out, I think, that one. It might be a different mm-hmm. one. But um, after his performance at Oxford, we're starting to see more of what he can offer. Definitely. Uh, he he works so hard. I think when you, when you actually watch him run around... If you think about guys, the two guys who had in that position recently, which is Scott and Vyman. I mean, Vyman works hard, but I think Knight's a lot more controlled in how he works. He gets yeah. around and is much more positionally aware than Andy Vyman is and knows where he needs to be in that triangle. Alex Scott always worked hard, but obviously that isn't his forte of his game. It's about his yeah, what he can do on it. But Knight offers us something very different in there. And I say the triangle with Williams, James and and uh, Knight. And he has Knight and Sykes and whenever he moves out, he just doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. I think he was a little, he'd probably be a little disappointed with himself off the ball yesterday. And if there's, there'll be an incident we come up to and talk about, but sorry, on the ball yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, off the ball again, just worked, worked so hard and absolutely didn't let Millwall's sort of pivot have any space whatsoever all day. 61st minute, James shoots wide after a loose ball. So this one, Matt, the ball comes out to James and he tries to whip it in with his right foot to the to the far corner, but doesn't get enough whip on it. It's it's one of those that if that is just a fraction more curl on it and goes in, in the way that we've talked, we're going to talk about his goal. You'd be talking about that one for years because it re- reminded me, Marlon Pack used to do it quite a lot, where literally just looking to pass it, with pace into the net, and it was the right sort of shot. Um, again, I've seen people talk about it. It, it. He was looking for a cross to the back post. It was he was clearly going for goal, um, and was just a little bit unlucky on it. Yeah, it was good effort. Totally agree with Paul though. He he totally controlled the midfield yesterday. It was a, a really really good performance from A James. Yeah. So sixty second minute, it's a triple substitution: Cornick for Sykes, Williams um, for Naismith, and Wells for Mametti. All three subs that came on, Paul, were all potential game changers. All offer something different. So it's great to be able to switch things up. Yeah, yeah. As I said earlier about energy coming on, Williams is a natural one with his fitness record and his yellow card. It was, you know, a fairly obvious one to make. I think that one. Um, Mametti will. Still not quite sure what to make of him, but he is a free, you know, 
whatever you can say, you wouldn't want to be a fullback up against him. Whether he's quite got a final ball yet or that final impact on the game, you you don't want to be a right back with him coming on with 25 minutes to go because he's just so dangerous. Um, but I thought Naismith came on and actually added, a, again, a little bit more presence yesterday. It was really, really strong in there. It's strange because he's adamant he wants to play centre-back. He mentioned it again mm. in the week, didn't he, in an interview. That's his best position and he's had his best ever season playing there. But he just looks at home in that midfield and, um, you know, definitely not going to probably get in a, well, not going to get in ahead of Viner and Dickey at the moment in centre-back. So that's going to be his position if he wants to be wants to be playing in the team. Yeah. yeah. And then Cornick for Sykes, obviously uh, that was a, a change that we kind of expected as well. The one that did cause discussion, Matt, was Wells coming off and not Bell. Yeah. Um, Sam Bell's always going to run and run and run. But yesterday I felt um, whether it was the atmosphere, whether it was the the defenders he was up against, I didn't feel Sam was at his most effective yesterday. Whereas I thought Naki was was linking the play well, worked really hard, um, and that that would have been the change for me. I would have kept Naki on and, and taken Sam off. However, um, you know, it, it goes back to, to to Paul's point again about the the finishers. Um, it's slightly different now, and so he he sees it in a certain way. Sam obviously has more pace than than Naki, um, but I love I love the fact that Naki Wells hates coming off. Um, but also you saw his reaction at the end of the game, clearly how much he mean, you know, it means for him from a, the, the club. So Naki doesn't have a problem with it. He just doesn't like coming off. And I've got, I've got no issue with that. Now, a couple of incidents, 66 minutes, a very late and high tackle on Cornick right in front of us after good work from Harry down the right-hand side um, from the free kick, which is hard and low. The Naismith ball in spins up in the air and stays in play, but Cornick kind of switches off doesn't realize quite where the ball yeah. is but Paul obviously watching that one on the on the TV did that tackle look as bad as it did to us I think if it had been in the Premier League and on VAR he'd have been in a bit of trouble I think yeah. he he lost control of it ultimately he lost it was one of those wasn't it where he went in for a challenge and he just he was struggling to recover it it wasn't awful. I don't. It, yeah, it wasn't. It probably wasn't studs up. Probably what saved him. He went lunging in, but with his studs sort of pointing down, that probably did save him from a red card. But it wasn't. It wasn't pity. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I mean, it was at our end. My immediate reaction was red because I thought it was. It was reckless. I didn't think mm. he was in in control of what he was doing. No, he wasn't in control now. Um, but you know, again, maybe the the physicality side of things this season might see some differences on that. But yeah, I do I do think with VAR they might have looked at it. But I guess the key point, as Paul says, there is whether it studs up or not. Yeah, and then sixty seventh minute, Matt. I think we've already touched on this. Just the Pring booking. Um, yeah, like a well timed tackle. We we thought he got the ball um, and took the man out. But again, first time of seeing it, I don't know. So Paul, what Paul was smirking. it? He didn't get anywhere near the no, ball. I... <laughs> First reaction, absolutely thought he won the ball. When you look at it, it was, yeah, foot, well, if at best, foot and ball together. It, was it definitely right? Yeah. Right. And he was sliding in. So again, it's going to be a yellow if he yeah. does that. Right. Yeah. I'll let him have that one then. Uh, right. 69th minute, Naismith corner is cleared and headed back in. Um, and Bell heads wide. And this is an interesting one, Matt, because we assumed that Bell was in an offside position. And I think he probably did as well. But he heads it goalward nonetheless. And he should probably be hitting the target with that one, Matt. He probably went the wrong side. Um, he didn't have much to aim at, but um, I watched the the assistant referee um, immediately afterwards and he was pointing to the defender on the far side saying that he played him on. 
Um, so yeah, Sam Sam will be disappointed that he didn't hit the target with that one. Yeah, great opportunity, Paul. There for uh, for Sam Bell. Yeah, yeah, and I think just what you touched on just now. I think Pearson very much seems to see him as the number two, number two, number nine. If that makes sense. Now he sees yeah. he sees him as well as his replacement rather than any of the others. So he he has started scoring some goals, but he does still plus probably a harsh word. He does still he's not quite as clinical as he maybe could be still in front of goal for us. And yeah, that's something that. He'll obviously want to work on and will be working on. Um, he, he obviously works tremendously hard. I think he runs more than anyone else in the team. He's as fast as anyone in the team, which is why Pearson probably wants him on for 90 minutes. But yeah. if he's going to play in that central forward position, he does obviously need to just make more of those chances maybe that come his way. Well, yeah, I mean, he's still only relatively young uh, yeah. in, his, in terms of his club career for Bristol City. And he's exploded on to the scene post-Swansea. Um, and now that level of expectation is rising, isn't it, in terms of what people come to expect of him? But you have to keep remembering that he's still very, you know, still in his early maturity in terms of his football career. Yeah, definitely. But and also, I think the fact that Tommy Conway's coming in being so good, there's almost he's probably being held up to our level, which may or may not be fair. But yeah, yeah. We, we've had a history of young players coming in and maybe scoring three or four goals in 30 matches. I think, oh, he's done all right this season, but that isn't quite where we need him to be right now. There's a level is yeah, you know, it's pitched higher right now. Yeah. Seventy second minute Mametti cuts inside this time, shoots wide with his right foot after great work from Pring. And Matt, that was a bit closer for me than the the Matty James effort. Seemed to be. Um certainly from from again from our end. Um and that's the Anis Mametti that we signed and saw in those early couple of games and not what we've seen probably in his last half a dozen appearances. He looked much more up for it yesterday and, and was really getting it his man. Um, and is absolutely an option that comes on like that. You know, that the McNamara there right back probably thought, you know, with Sam Bell coming inside, I'm, I'm going to have a bit more of an easier afternoon. I'm not going to be run at. And then he gets a different, um, you know, opposition to cater, to cater for in a different style um, and I think what Mimetti does well he works well with Pring and works well with Roberts so you know when they then start to go beyond him he can then come inside and he did it a couple of times yesterday but that, that effort a little bit unlucky um, again a bit like James's effort a bit more curl on it and he probably finds the bottom corner Interesting discussion on Mimetti then Paul uh, he seemed when he came in to hit the ground running and was quite an individual, you know, wanted to do everything himself, wasn't always aware of who was around him. And you kind of, some, if you're a player like that, sometimes you've got to be quite selfish. You know, look at Jakonowski, he would not even defend. He'd get the ball and he had one thing in mind. But uh, Mameti seems to start to now be buying into the team ethos rather than the individ individuality. And that's always a difficult balance, isn't it? Because, well, Pearson talked about wanting a maverick in. He had that lad who was on loan like, you know, in his mind as well. But Mermetti obviously is more like that maverick-type player. But, you know, if you look back at the likes of a, you know, a Lee Tomlin for all his faults, you know, you can't make a maverick player a team player without losing some of that, that exactly. natural ability. Because he only scores wonder goals because he shoots from 25 yards with his, you know, when he probably shouldn't be shooting and probably should... Yeah, that's how it works. So it's a really... Tricky balance, I think, for the manager. You wonder how much of that has gone on in the last six months, how much of, you know, teamwork has been impressed on him and positioning and that sort of thing. And maybe he's 
I don't know, too busy thinking about all of that stuff as opposed to just getting on the ball and, and doing more with it. But I think we saw on Wednesday, we had some nice link-ups with Roberts. Um, mm. He obviously will link up nicely with Pring when Pring, you know, if, when Pring plays like he can. Um, but yeah, he's, again, still a young player who's only had, what, 20-odd games at this level. So, uh, yeah, a lot more to come, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a a Millwall shot from distance, which looked good, Matt, dipping in, but goes over. And then and I said to you, I'd like to see more of that from us. And lo and behold, Sam Bell uh, has a shot from, from distance, was quite well over or wide. But nonetheless, he engineered the opportunity. He could clearly see he was trying to get it out of his feet so that he could smash one in. But um, good to see that we're getting those shots in. Yeah, important. I mean, the, the Millwall one was Joe Bryan and you just felt that was it, it Joe Bryan? I didn't even notice. Joe Br- <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. You, you felt that it was a Joe Bryan special coming when you sort of saw it banked and and looked like it was set really nicely for him. Um, but yeah, that is it's what again talk about successful clubs. You need to be getting shots away, you know, outside the box as well as in the box, and we don't do that enough. We haven't done for a number of years. Um, and you just never know, even if it's not the greatest shot, the keepers can spill it. You know, Paul talked about the Lionesses yesterday. You know, the, the goal that England scored to, to get level, the keeper makes an absolute hash of it. So, you know, you, if you don't shoot, you don't win, do you? So it's, uh, yeah, it was good to see from Sam. And he has that confidence. Um, yeah. And I th- Sorry, I think the other thing, you're talking about Sam Bell. Sam Bell's being talked about and linked with Premier League clubs. Yeah, now, yeah. I don't think Sam's anywhere near ready for that at all. Um, he's not at the level that Antoine was when Antoine's gone to Bournemouth. But it shows that he's now being talked about. And so they, they have to look at that, you know, and, and make sure that, again, the terms that he's on reflect that he's now a first team performer. And I don't know if that's the case. So I'd, I would certainly expect Sam Bell to be getting new contract terms because I don't imagine that he's... Mm. Um, you know, the, the the parity for some of the other sort of first teamers. Uh, Pring off Roberts on in the 76th minute. No big surprise there with Pring picking up that booking. And also with Roberts' performance on Wednesday, it's yeah. uh, another one who can come on and offer something different and potentially win us the game. Uh, He's a very, very good player, Patch. On, not, on the not, ball. You've not mentioned that on the last I know, mate, podcasts. but, but <laughs> I, I think he gives us something different than others and, and actually when he came on I was disappointed that the, then the next set piece that we had he wasn't on it um because and he and he, he actually came across to James and Naismith and I think Naismith ended up taking it but I think he gives us something different he he plays that that sort of delivery in I don't know if you saw the preseason goal that Tommy Conway scored he did that yesterday as well with one so he's a very very good player yeah love love a good delivery me um, 82nd yeah. minute tends to be just delivery, day, doesn't it? Good, yeah. good segue. Uh, 82nd minute corner to City. Naismith delivery is awful. I've got written here. <laughs> um, Paul, I think that one was low to the not even to the near post to the edge of the six yard box. Yeah, yeah, very disappointing. We, but we saw last year what Naismith can do, but it is frustrating. It's so frustrating when you know you pile the center backs forward, you, you get all set, and then it just <laughs> doesn't get anywhere near them at all. Yeah. Right, a Yaboa debut, a Yaboa league debut, I should say, coming on for Sam Bell. We saw him come on on Wednesday at home to Oxford and uh, the, the endeavour and the excitement of him coming on the pitch. I think he actually was so excited. His first touch, he kind of got away from him and he took a bit of a, t- took a, bit of a tumble, but um, uh, he then sort of grew into the game a little bit and 
and ultimately we'll come on to it in a moment, but played a part in the goal. Uh, 87th minute, Viner booked, seemed to win the ball, free kick in a dangerous position from Millwall. Who would take it? Two options, both former City players. And it comes in from George Savile. Uh, Max great, makes a great save, but it parries out to Harry Cornick. Sorry, parries out. And Harry Cornick is well positioned to make a great block, a really important block. But Matt, George Savile played in that Bradford game, the famous 6-0. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was either going to be him or Brian. And uh, luckily it was saved by Max. Yeah, he's one of those players, George Savile. And he's, I think he scored against this as well. I don't know if it for Millwall or for Borough. Um, yeah, um, I've, I, th- I thought Max made a good save there um, because yeah. it's very close in. Um, you, as a keeper, you don't know whether they're going to go high, low, rang the wall, over the wall. Um, so I thought it was a good save. But just as important was the block from Cornick was was brilliant to be back there and making that challenge um, and then snuffing it out. I mean, it was I, think, I don't know who else it was, Cornick and another player challenged. Was it right? Yeah. Um, so that that was excellent. Um, and it's important to say Harry Cornick came on yesterday and and made a real impact. Um, you know, I think on this this podcast and and um, the guests that we've had on as well have all sort of said with Cornick, you know, he needs timing. Yeah, we'll we'll see how he goes. But he's had a lot of stick, Harry Cornick. Um, and yesterday, I think went some way to showing he's actually an important member of this squad and and both both ends of the pitch yesterday. Yeah. Okay. 94th minute. What a moment. Two league goals so far from two long throws, both from Harry Cornick. This one is flicked on by a QPR player out to Matty James, who executes a side scissor kick into the corner of the net for a well-deserved three points for City. And there's a fantastic video uh, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter um, of the scenes in the away end, obviously clearly a groundhopper, I think from Germany or something that was just filming the away end. And actually, if you look closely, you can see me getting Matt in a headlock and then uh, me lifting Jack Ager up in the sky <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, absolute scenes, people rushing all over the place. Um but Paul, I'll let you have a have a go on this one first of all. I don't know if you noticed there's a, a shove from Yaboa um on on a QPR on a QPR on a You've said that twice now. I'm thinking a QPR player flicking oh, off. Yeah. I was in London. <laughs> I'm assuming you mean Dicky, but yeah, um, I'm in not... London. Yeah. Um and yeah, the shove shove from Yaboa and it just comes out to Matty James. And I think listening to the post-match interview with him, he kind of expected it to come. So he was waiting for the ball and and what a finish. It was. What I really liked about it is, you mentioned his chance earlier, win nil-nil away at Millwall in the 94th minute and our defensive midfield player is in the penalty area. And that that wouldn't always happen. You know, we, yeah. we'd have been, we might have gone up, we might have chucked it to someone at the near post and just played it back into the corner for a nil-nil. And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's exciting to see because I think that showed our attitude, what our attitude is going to be this season. But yeah, Absolute icing on the cake from a for a tremendous performance from him in particular, um, but the team as well. And it's just touching on Harry Cornick. I mean, we would have probably lost that game yesterday if it wasn't for Harry Cornick. And actually, yeah. he's been involved in a moment that saved a point, and then the moment has gained three points. So um, he did, he doesn't always look as effective as he could do when he's on the ball and on the pitch, but he absolutely contributed yesterday. And uh, yeah, some brilliant scenes, absolutely brilliant scenes. I, I know we touched on it earlier. Is a little. Slightly funny, slightly bad thing. But when we were taking that throw in, there was a Millwall fan who, 
I think he was trying to get corner to take it from a corner where it went out, and he sort of drifted six, seven, eight yards up the touchline. And this bloke's <laughs> so angry at Cornick, he's like flailing his arms. He, he almost yeah, catches this like four-year-old girl who's on the touchline, and she like looks up at her mum as if to say, "What? What's going on here?" But he doesn't even notice. He's so angry and so yeah. trying to have a, like, such a go at Cornick, but he uh, he just completely misses this girl. That he's all waxing the face as he goes up, which obviously isn't funny, but uh, it's some sort of sums up, I guess, that little corner of a mill ground. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was an interesting corner, should we say? Um, but but Matt, that that moment, uh, it's it's what why we travel to watch football for moments like that. I put it on Facebook last night. You know, you, you travel hundreds of miles, spend thousands of pounds, um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if you follow other sports, um, you will get those euphoric moments. You know, the the Johnny Wilkinson drop goal and stuff like that. Um, but that when it's your your club um and you see that moment and it's a player like Matty James who doesn't often get the plaudits um I thought it was funny that he described it as a, a an overhead kick um <laughs> but but actually that's not if that's scored again by a um a prem player they're talking about that for weeks and weeks and Shearer and Lineker would have been going over it. And for, for Matty James to control it like he does, see the picture, catch it as sweetly as he does. And it's very easy. We've all played to a level. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> We've all played to a level that it's easy to slice those over, um, but he controls it, finds the bottom corner mm. and the scenes were just, yeah, I mean, epic. Um as I say, there were things you, you don't want to see. Um, you know, Millwall fans actually getting over the the hoardings, and and Bristol City fans may have been doing the same. I couldn't see because we were in the upper tier. Um, but the police having to get involved. I will say there was one Millwall stewardess, if that's the right word to use for a, a, a female steward. Um, if I can even say a female steward, there was a <laughs> there was a person steward there. Um, they then there. Um, she was tackling some of the biggest players you've ever seen <laughs> and pushing them back. And I'm thinking, dear, oh dear, you must have had some sort of upbringing to, <laughs> to be able to control them. But yeah, I mean, just proper limbs moment patch when it, um, yeah. I, I have to say for me, you chucking Jack around was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I that, probably should apologize Jack, to Alan for that. <laughs> but, but Jack is a, obviously Alan's lad and a, and a friend of ours in, um, he's going to remember that moment mm. for the rest of his life because we all remember when you've been at games where it's last minute winners and you know you've you've had those so it, it was just an, an absolutely brilliant feeling but most importantly it was reward for the performance we yeah. deserved to win that game yesterday yeah, and we absolutely. would have come out and gone i'd settle for a point that was a decent point Millwall are going to be tough everyone's intimidated going to Millwall, but I think that would have been making excuses. You, you should have been disappointed had we not won yesterday because we were that in control of it. So, yeah, it was brilliant. I think you can't underestimate James's fitness of that. Well, it sounds quite trite, but for a 32-year-old, whatever he is, yeah. to be able to not only get off the ground and do that in the 94th minute, but do it with such control. Yeah, you know, it'd yeah. be very easy to have done that in a very tired manner, as you're saying, just like bobble off him or whatever. But to do that and execute it so well in the 94th minute is, yeah, it's very testament to his fitness as well. Yeah. And I'm probably critical of the likes of Matty James and Andy King in terms of because they're not the um, the pretty players and they don't get all the plaudits and stuff. You know, I, personally, I probably miss a lot of what they do and don't give them the credit for that. 
yesterday, Matty James was 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 superb, absolutely superb. Paul said it almost his first comment controlled the game from minute one. Okay, a uh, couple of nervy minutes, maybe ninety seconds, then ensues, but still really in control, held yeah. the ball up well, and and rode it out for. For a 1-0 win. Uh, stats at the end, 55% possession for City, 13 shots, one on target, one that counts, uh, six off target. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. But Matt, we'll come to you now for these interesting ratings. Yeah, it, it's one of those where I kind of felt a 1-0 win away at Millwall where you've controlled the game should absolutely be in the high sevens from an average, really, when you look at it. But obviously, we don't do it on that basis for score the players. Um, so, so Max, um, I've gone seven for Max, and people might kind of question that, but um, he's kept a clean sheet, not not had loads to do. But to, to stay alert and make the save that he makes at the end, I've often talk about, talked about with Dan Bentley. Dan Bentley made saves you didn't expect. And, and it was, don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't a top stanchion free kick that he has to pull off a, a worldie from that point of view. But his concentration and I thought his distribution yesterday and the fact it was a clean sheet and he was part of that defence, so I've, I've gone seven for Max. Um, for for Campering, um, I've gone seven. Um, it was probably one of those eight first halves for Cam and six second halves that gives him the seven, but it was much more of a campering performance. On the opposite side, I've gone eight for George Tanner because George, I thought, was excellent yesterday. Getting forward um, numerous times, you know, we, and people will have talked about Joe Bryan in, aren't we glad we didn't sign him? He did nothing. But George Tanner made a number of blocks, interceptions and tackles that stopped their attack progressing. So I thought it was a really good performance from George. And a player for me that would absolutely be someone I would expect McCrory to come into the team. So George needs to put those performances in so he keeps the shirt and McCrory doesn't come into the team when he's fit. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good performance from George. Um, the two at the back, um, centrally, Rob Dickio went eight. I thought he snuffed out everything. Um, he's very much that first ball centre-half that we've been looking for. Um what I like about him, and, and Paul, I don't know if you if you've sort of noticed this as well, he's not one of those players that thinks I'm gonna, you know, when I get the ball and I'm under pressure, I'm gonna try and turn inside and out a bit like Naismith does. I'm gonna do a Cruyff turn. He puts it into touch, and it's like mm. we'll, we'll set yeah. ourselves again. I haven't got a problem with that. I th I think you know what you're getting with him, don't you? I noticed he knocks it back to Max a lot. Well, he's not afraid to do that, and I, I know we yeah. do that more in modern football. You, you use keeper, but he's yeah, absolutely. He just he doesn't want to mess around. He and he can play football. He's not. Yeah. He's not like he's a an old-fashioned centre-half who doesn't can't pass the ball. He can pass, but yeah, he's come in and maybe maybe that's the role he's been given by Nigel Pearson just to be that, that no-nonsense partner. Yeah. You know, win that first ball, win the ball in the air. Probably, as you say, for the first time since maybe Aidan Flint was here, we've had well, Baker, Baker, arguably, but he just goes and wins everything and doesn't mess around with it. Matt, have you and, listened and that... to um, Rob Dickey's press conference on Thursday? Have you I haven't, to that? no. So he talks about him and his relationship with Zach Viner and the fact that... Um, I didn't yeah, even know but... they were... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm a bit right there. <laughs> well, funnily, funnily enough, he did talk yeah. about um, off the field as well as on the right, field. Right, okay. Um, so like you know, how, how they built that relationship. So they are working on that relationship. Um, and I just think that, that the, the three games we've seen them in, they have been flawless. So... 
going on to his partner then, Rolls Royce, Zach Viner. Um, Zach Viner was a nine for me yesterday um, and was my man of the match. Um, and I know that there will be lots that say, you know, Matty James, and, and I'll go ahead, Matty James was a nine for me as well. Um, Zach wasn't even on the official man of the match votes that the, the club put out. Zach wasn't even on there. And all of the comments that were then on there were all about, well, hang on, where's Zach Viner? Um, me. Uh, yeah, well, you, I saw you <laughs> was on there, but I, I put the same. But yeah, Zach was outstanding again yesterday. He did not, I'm going to say he didn't put a foot wrong now. Again, the challenge that led to their free kick, we couldn't see whether he got the ball or not from our end. Um, he was obviously, you know, went, went um, having a go at Keith Stroud. But Zach Viner is, is key at the moment. Um, to the way we're playing. He's he's performing as a captain in the way that Matty James did as well yesterday. Um, but he's still got an offer on the table which isn't isn't representative of the way that Zach Viner's playing. We know that offer is an, an offer from last season um, and very early on. Obviously, I don't know in terms of how much and everything else like that. But we know that Zach's not signed it because he's not happy with it. Um, Steve Lansdowne, Phil Alexander, Nigel Pearson, pull your fingers out and get Zach Viner tied down to a long-term contract and a contract that he deserves. Because if not, he will end up going to a top-end championship club or potentially a Prem club. And I know that there are clubs being linked with him today even. And it will be a massive mistake because it seems as though we're valuing him on how he was seen at the start of last season and being a player that maybe was going. And Nigel Pearson said that. He's also said that he loves him and the club love him. Show that love by giving him a contract that he deserves. It feels a bit like, and it happens in the corporate world. I mean, you guys are novice. You know, when someone comes in from outside, they probably get a better deal than an internal promotion would get. And it feels a bit <laughs> like that at the moment. We We've all had that. <laughs> well, yeah, if we were signing Zach Viner from Millwall, uh, We'd be paying him a big signing on fee and a bigger wage than he's probably been offered, but we're not. We're yeah. we're trying to keep him. But I, I, I mean, if I know football, it's not as binary as this. But if you had a choice between a bolstering in midfield from Oxford or whoever and getting Zach Viner to sign a four-year deal, I know which one I'd be choosing right now. Yeah, good point. And I've noticed that the um, sorry because it popped up. Bristol Live have said. Yeah. Um, Nigel Pearson admits there's been no further development in contract talks with Zach Viner. Um, as he continues to improve with interest from the Premier League and Scotland. They're talking about Luton, Southampton and Glasgow Rangers as being clubs considering making a move for him in this window. Um, It wasn't put to Pearson specifically after the victory. Um, He's not a manager for entertaining such talk, but he did emphasise the need to get Viner secured a long-term deal. Mm. And absolutely, that has to be. And he's also said there, Tommy Conway, Sam Bell, they're all players we need to try and down, try down, tie down for our own well-being. Mm. Now, I don't know what's going on in terms of discussions and everything else. It felt to me Richard Gould had that sorted. We signed, we got a number of players, didn't we, tied down. And some of them, you kind of thought, wow, I didn't, didn't see that coming and, and you improved there. But those three, Viner, Bell, Conway, have to be tied down to longer-term mm. deals and rewarded for what they're doing for the club. Because if not, they will go elsewhere and you won't, Paul's point, you won't replace them. Um, and not, not only you won't replace them probably for the quality they're bringing on the pitch at the moment, but the fact they're local lads and this is their team absolutely has an amount to play to that as well. They know mm. what it means as fans as well. So 
pull your fingers out and get it done. Cam Pring's contract's up in the summer as well. I thought Cam had renewed, but so there you go then. Again, another one that, mm. that and and actually Matty James is out of contract. And if Matty mm. James is playing like he is, um, you don't want we don't want to be in a situation where as has happened this summer with, and I know there's differences because of his injury record and everything else, but with Thomas Callas, you don't want to be in a situation where players that you want to keep are out of contract and can go. And realistically, and again, you know, your Paul, Paul, your point, Paul, around the, the corporate world, if someone comes in and offers you a huge signing-on fee and you're better in your wages, you'd be a fool not to consider it. You know, yeah. you see Nathan Baker's situation. Football can be... You're there playing one minute, and the next minute you you know you're not able to play. Nick Anderton at the Rovers, mm-hmm. so yeah, get, let's get it sorted. You know they need to look at that, and Phil Alexander needs to do his job and get that sorted. And Phil, if you're doing that, great, but let's get an announcement out there. Let's get Zach tied down. The Boom. worrying name on that list for me is Luton, having watched them on match a day last night. Christ, they need a centre back in there wow. because they yeah. were they were woeful last night. Say, so. yeah, and I've got an admission to make there. But with my works fantasy team, I've got Tom Lockyer in there, which hurt me, <laughs> hurt, hurt me to put it in, but I haven't seen it last night. Yeah, I need to make a decision there quickly. Um, <laughs> there was a report 24 hours ago, the Daily Mail reporting that the Hammers are eyeing up a new left back and are looking at Pring. Um, West Ham are close to selling Aaron Cresswell to Wolves and Pring will be a good option given he's English and only 26 years old. Pring is under contract until the summer of 2024. Yeah, mm. and it and and with that we know that that Biff Rob Newman has been down watching games and 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 yes will have been watching Alex Scott of course but absolutely Cam Pring's performances last season and if anyone watched Cam Pring yesterday yeah he's definitely a player that you would be looking at so mm. you know and, and that would be it's a difference between losing an Alex Scott for for if it is the 25 million and, and we assume it is because Steve Lansdowne has said on the, the Guernsey um, podcast patch, he says 25 million for Alex Scott. Um, we're not going to get those sort of figures for Zach Viner, for Cam Pring, for Sam Bell, for Tommy Conway at the moment. So you need to tie them down for our own security. But, but as I say, it's not even about that. It's about rewarding a player like Zach Viner for the performances that he's putting in. So yeah, so sorry, I'm still doing the ratings, but not nine for Zach. Matty James is my next one. Um, Matty was nine as well. And I, I would have absolutely no argument, and I'll give you boys the choice um, as to whether Zach gets it or Matty James gets it. Maybe Matty because of the match-winning goal. Um, but I just felt Zach was just just a rock yesterday. The thing for me for Zach yesterday wasn't just his de- defending, but the distribution as well. Yeah. He things six, seven balls out. If that was a central midfielder pinging balls, you go, yeah, that's, that's a good that's a good central midfielder performance. But yeah. it was like outside the boot, sliced, low, flat balls. He was pinging into feet. And it was just, I just thought it was a remarkable performance. Yeah. I saw someone say last week they thought it was his best performance for us against Preston. Well, he was better yesterday. So he that was. was performance. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. That's definitely yeah. his best one. I put a yeah. little tweet on last night um, to to help this, this, with this decision, Matt. Um, it was like for Matty James retweet for Zach Viner and uh, Zach Viner takes it. Does he? Yeah, there you go then. Um, so, yeah, so Matty's, as I said, nine there. Joe Williams, I went, um, I was toying with Joe, whether it was a six or a seven, but I've gone seven and, and I'm glad because Paul's kind of really substantiated that for me in terms of the midfield and the way that they work together. And I've gone seven for night as well. We just controlled the game and and 
it's why we've been talking about needing midfielders because it's such an important part of the pitch. Yesterday, our midfield won us the game. I mean, it won us the game in the fact that Matty James scored it, but they controlled it, didn't they? So, yeah. Um, Sykesy, I went seven. And again, I, I could have gone six. And, and Paul's given me it again. And obviously, I've done these before the, 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 the call. Um, but he stopped a lot of what was going down that side. Um, and working with George Tanner. So thought I thought Mark did his job there. And then the two boys, um, or yeah, the two boys up top. So I've got um, Naki and Sam, two sevens, worked really hard, caused lots of problems, didn't get lots of efforts and, and didn't moments. We talked about both of those going through and not quite making it. But again, they're, they're part of a team that wins 1-0 away and, and works so hard and calls that three central defence of, of Millwall, all sorts of problems. Um, and then the subs, I think I've gone sevens for all the subs. Um, yeah, Carl Naismith. Um, Cornick, Sykes. Harry Cornick, Anis Mametti. Um, yeah, Mametti. Yeah, I've gone sevens for those. I thought, again, for, for Mametti in particular, he, he showed um, how valuable he can be. Obviously, don't, don't score... Um, Hayden because he didn't come on to the 70 whatever it was minute mm. um, and similar for, for Ephraim but all in all so so on that basis and I don't know whether you boys would change any of those but that would give a, a 7.43 average which feels like it should be around that yeah um, because of right. one, one nil away at Millwall but mm. not, not lots of shots yes we and we're a team that does I mean Pearson said it himself we don't really want to dominate possession we want to counter more, but actually yesterday it was controlled possession. And if I was a Millwall fan yesterday, I would have been slightly worried and you mm. might be able to look at it and say the emotions of the day maybe got to some of them. I don't know when you're a player, if that really then crosses your mind, well, the, the, but the manager... they, they didn't look like a side that finished what literally last game of the season being out yeah. of the playoffs last yeah. season. The manager sort of said that they did, they won their first game away, didn't they? Yeah. Away to and, Borough, yeah, Borough, yeah. and then yeah. they lost obviously their home game. He said, they like you said earlier, midweek. If, yeah. if that was the other way round, it would be you know okay. So yeah. he didn't, you know, obviously he said about the occasion and whether it got to the players <coughs> or they could. He, he surprised they didn't use that as a catalyst to, um, you know, yeah. I think that's that's a good point. I mean, the the Borough one's an interesting one because I think we're looking at Borough on last season, but they've had lots of lone players go back. Yeah. I think Akpong's not been playing and has, has talked about a transfer abroad. Um, and yesterday they got beat, was it 3-0 by Cov? 3-0, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, and, and you got to say with, with Coventry as well, Mark Robbins, what a job that bloke's doing. Um, you know, they've lost Goykerez, who was probably the best striker in the league last season. Mm. They've lost Hamer this week, who was probably the best <laughs> yeah. attacking midfielder. And yet go and produce a performance like that. Just and incredible. Did, uh, Palmer and De Silva start? Do we know? Palmer did, I think, because I they saw a comment week, from someone. Yeah, I saw a yeah. comment from someone yesterday saying how what a difference confidence and um, you know being trusted makes for someone like Palmer. They both, so, st- they both started and they both came off in the 79th minute. Yeah, there you go then. Yeah. But what what Coventry have done? Obviously, it's slightly different. But they've gone and spent heavily on their two forwards, haven't they? Yeah. And they're, they're playing Casey Palmer in behind two in theory, very good forwards, yeah. high invest forwards. So it might be just that, we've always said about him, haven't we? It might just be that he needs that perfect team set up and that, that, the right sort of strikers in front of him and he could really shine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then 
then Nigel have gone, I've gone eight. Um, you know, it's a one nil control performance away at Millwall. Four mm. points on the board. It's an eight, yeah. Yeah. I know X- XG stats aren't for everyone, but I don't know if you saw we have Millwall have a look we have a lowest XG against yesterday, which basically means defensively we let the least come into us. Right, brilliant. The point point four was our XG against. So sums up the defensive performance yeah, say, from, yeah. from the forward back but especially the back four and uh, the defensive midfield players that yeah I think the only one I'd possibly argue with you there about was Max being a six and that's not any slight on Max whatsoever it's just that he didn't have anything to do yeah I guess that one say at the end he earns that seven from that base point that's a good point yeah it's a good point uh, quick tweet, um, Dr. Dean Allen. I haven't enjoyed an away win as much for ages. Bristol City went to Millwall and silenced the crowd. Never easy. Controlled the first half, stayed in it second half, got the winner they deserved. The later, the better. Great support. Safe home, uh, safe trip home. Cider Reds, Russ Jenner. Back four, get the praise for the work midfield work the midfield did in protecting them and he's the new lad give it to mr knight he had a very good game so we're talking about the um who was man of the match so uh, and a couple of people said i think the whole team um were were good and and that's great matt isn't it the fact that we're given given the whole team anyone could have been man of the match the way you look at it so fantastic yeah yeah no absolutely right let's talk about alex scott then so Alex Scott left us this week and naivety was creeping into some of our minds that we could ride out this August transfer window storm and he might sit a with us. And we've now learned that his injury is worse than thought. So he's going to be out for a couple of months and then that plays in Conway's injury plays in the money comes in and we can, we can, um, you know, reinvest a little bit of it potentially, but Paul, I'll take, go to you first. Uh, it's great that we've had the experience of Alex Scott and the fact that he's gone to Bournemouth, he's got every chance of starting every game and every chance of then going on to the next mm. big move and making us even more money. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I mentioned on Radio Bristol last week when they were saying, oh, is he going to go? Is it? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of... I think people underestimate how many signings Premier League clubs make after the start of the season. They start... And that's why I mentioned losing just now. They've started, they've been hammered. They're going to be looking for two signings this week to go and bolster that squad. And yeah, he was always going to go. Uh, and Bournemouth has been derided by many, I think, this week in terms of a, a destination. And I can absolutely see why from a size of club and a, a prospect. But if you're Alex Scott and you've got a chance to go and play in the Premier League, I mean, earn the money, you could earn that anywhere except but we haven't had a bid from anyone else that's acceptable. You can be playing at those stadiums, against those teams. He's going to have Gareth Southgate at six, seven, eight of his games this season, just naturally, because of how he gets around. And you're not, if you've got an opportunity to play, I'm sorry, you're just not going to stay at a mid-table club, which we are at the moment in a championship, when you've got that sort of opportunity. I think if you're, yeah, if he was maybe at Southampton or or Leeds or someone and we are hot favourites to go up, he might have been persuaded with a really you know, lucrative deal, but then they could afford to pay him 30, 40 grand a week as well. So um, he was never going to stay. And I think you're, you're right. He will get lots of opportunity, but he wouldn't have necessarily got in other clubs. Um, he He's going to be probably challenging the likes of that sort of Philip Billing and for that sort of position in that midfield. Class, by the way. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they how they mix up. But they've made some good signings this year as well, Bournemouth. I think they're maybe being underestimated by some as well. Um, but fantastic to have seen him play. Um, just an absolute joy. You know, he's that player who you gets on the ball and the whole stadium is instantly excited, a bit like Semenya was. And you don't have that with every player. You certainly you don't quite get that with with Sam Bell or Mark Sykes with respect to them at the moment. It's not quite the same. You you got on the ball and you just expected him to do something, you know, magical to coin the song phrase. And it, it, it he'll be sorely missed. But I think with more than any player I can remember, he'll he'll be tracked and watched by City fans throughout the next few years to see how he does because. There's just an expectation that he's going to go on and push on and yeah, play for England and play for a top six club at some point. And you, again, for all those deriding Bournemouth, it could be the absolute perfect stepping stone for him. I think Brighton would have been the perfect one, but they're probably just even now a level above where he maybe is. Um, but yeah, great move for him and absolute best of luck to him. Yeah, Matt, uh, not many players leave under such a lack of cloud i'm trying to think of the right word but he's been given the blessing of steve lansdowne of of surely every fan who who kind of expected this moment to come we've got the potential of being able to support him as an england player as well in tournaments to come and and jonathan pierce will be licking his lips at the prospect <laughs> of commentating on uh alex scott games yeah i, I think it's um it's different players and and not the the youngster aspect of it but i think it's a bit like adam webster i think i think when adam webster went to brighton we all felt that he potentially could play for england and mm. um to a lesser extent lloyd kelly going to bournemouth i'm, I'm not sure um we knew lloyd would develop um but i, I do think with scotty and, and and again um with what paul's saying i think we're all anticipating in making a real impact in the Premier League and in years to come playing for England. I mean, Nigel Pearson said it almost, I think, the first training session he saw him at, mm. this is a lad that will play for England. Um, and actually, he's prob- that's probably one man who doesn't begrudge him the mood and move and understands it, but also understandably. And, and I've been in the boat, a much lesser extent, as a, a, a football youth coach, that when your best player gets taken to a football league academy, you're gutted because you want to keep your best players because you want to do well yourself in the league, but you're also really pleased for them. So I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword for Nige. Um, he clearly would have loved to have kept Scotty, but the more you you read about it and you, the fact the injury for another couple of months mm-hmm. and maybe it, it made the hierarchy kind of think, Christ, hang on, that could have been an ACL. Mm-hmm. That could have been an ACL. That could be hopefully this season that he's back playing and we're talking about him in the, in the, the mold of Alex Scott. But you look at it, Iman, you know, does his ACL and then does it again. You just never know. So it is a gamble, but I don't think we could turn that sort of money down. And that, mm. that may allow us not only in this window to get another player or two in, but allows us scope January and then potentially into next season. I think Nigel Pearson talked afterwards about it gave an indication about the structure and that it's over a number of seasons. So again, that, you know, I, I don't know how FFP works to know, does it all get counted because it's, you know, it's in the P&L kind of things, but um, it's a decision that, that had to be made. It's good. It's been done early enough in the window that we know where we are with it now and we can potentially do something, but absolutely echo everything that Paul said. You know, I can't wait to see him in the Premier League. Mm. I stayed up late last night to watch, um, the Bournemouth highlights 
because I knew that Antoine was involved in their goal. Now, I, I didn't know it was Antoine from three or four seasons ago that dragged a shot horribly wide that turned out to be a brilliant pass. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's what you want to yeah. see in it. So, wish nothing but luck for the lad. He's such, again, Nigel Pearson said, he's so easy to deal with. You've met him, Patch. Um, he's a lovely lad. Um, I just feel sorry for Tommy Conway because Tommy's out injured and, and lost his flatmate. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. I wonder how much Tommy Conway's injury might have just put a little bit of an edge into Lansdowne yeah. and Alexander and just, oh, yo, hang on. We've, a, we've got to find someone to maybe replace him. We can't really yeah. afford that. Yeah, Is this a way to go and get a couple of players in? And what yeah, what if yeah. that happens to Alex? And I think what you said about Nigel Pearson's right. He'll, he'll have known, as much as he's disappointed, he'll have known this was coming. And I think the whole fan base equally yeah. Yeah. have kind of expected this. Going back to our previous conversation, if that leads to to Viner and Pring also going, that would be a far more bitter pill to swallow, even if it's Premier clubs, because there hasn't been that anticipation is going to happen in the no. same way. No, you're right, and it's it's one of those, and and, and again, you, we're always going to see this with some of our fan base talking about the Lansdowns and a lack of ambition, and what are we doing selling our best players? Hang on, look at Brighton. Hmm. Brighton are where they are in the league and, and winning 4-1 last night, but I've sold something like £380 million worth of talent. Yeah. If you get your scouting right and your, your academy right and everything else, then these players become more of the norm and you know it's the way we need to look at. I, I was talking to a mate of mine, and I, I, I mentioned him, Mark, Mark Cardio, I went to school with, who now lives in Brighton. And Mark was at the game yesterday with his son, Tom. And Mark was saying that they're very much Tony. Well, I can't think of his surname now. Tony at Brighton, the the chairman. Yeah, Tony Bloom. Bloom. Very much a stat-based um, sort of scouting system. They've got, um, because, I think, because of he's got a spread betting company. Mark was telling me, yeah. and so as all the figures on all of the players all around the world type scenario, and that's how they do a lot of their recruitment is is very much based on that. But you look at it, Brighton. Brighton have signed players that none of us have ever heard of. And look what they've turned them into. Well, so they they're the model we they should also be looking sign at. Players and loan them out for two years, and you forget about them. And then suddenly, like Matoma last year, he was yeah. been playing for three years, and yeah. he comes from nowhere. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, every this selling club being really annoying. Man City have just lost Gundogan and Mahrez. They Pep didn't want to lose yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, gone because that's football, and at the end of a contract, they didn't want to sign a new one. So it happens. Tottenham, Tottenham, yeah. King. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it happens. Yeah, you're right. More things on the Alex Scott. Thing. Um, obviously, he mentioned on numerous occasions how much Bristol City meant to him, and that that will go a long way to cementing yep. his legacy as a as an ex player. Um, also, his dad Noel said, "Thank you, Bristol City, for welcoming my boy and making him a grounded man." To all of you fans, thank you for loving him. We, as a family, appreciated it so much. So, nice lots of emotion around that. But I think the over overriding uh, message is that he goes with um, our blessing, and we'll be proud to watch him on Match of the Day and beyond. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, let's see. I'll see how that goes and hopefully you can get back playing sooner rather than later. Um, right. So it's Birmingham City next up on Saturday at home. Uh, they've got uh, Tom Brady now in the in their arsenal <laughs> as a, as a co-owner. And I think yeah, yesterday, wouldn't he? Yeah, there was a, a pre-match interview which went mm. on about five minutes, I think, with with him. Um, no idea how much money he's put in, but whether he'll be at Ashton Gate 
next week. Who knows? Um, but we have to go into that home game, Paul, full of optimism and, and expecting to win. Only uh, can't see many changes from the starting lineup from yesterday. Can you? No, I wouldn't think so. So if you, if you talk, we've got that flexibility amongst the, the wide players in particular. We might, you know, Cornick or Sykes is probably up for grabs. Probably still not quite Pring or Roberts after Pring yesterday, but no, I can't see many changes. And I think, you know, you can't look at it on paper in a championship. We all looked at these first six, seven games of a championship and thought, you know, we've got a real chance here to get a good start. And actually Millwall away was probably the hardest one of a lot <laughs> on there in terms of expected yeah, points. Like so we, we've still got that run in front of us. And, you know, just, it was disappointing against Preston, but we still managed to get a point. We've got three yesterday. Um, you know, if we can really fire on from that and build on that performance and in these next four or five games, we could be going into that first international break in a very healthy position. But I guess what I would... The, 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 the worry I've got, and it's also not a worry, is it's a very, very intense performance all over. We do a lot of closing down and a lot of work. Um, and how can you do that for 46 games or 50 games in a season? And uh, the one reason it's not a worry is that Vincent Company's words about us at the end of last season was that we we went out there and did something that no one else has done. And we we matched them and bettered them fitness-wise and pace-wise all over pitch. And he said he's, he didn't see another team but did that to them last season. So... The hope is that we are that fit and we look that fit and we can keep our intensity up because that's always the issue of a, a pressing team and a, a high-energy team. I think yes. that is the sole reason for wanting two players for every, every position because yeah. you can change it up. Like yes. we said at the very start of this, you've got your finishers, you've got your your starters yeah. and they, they can equally f- flip round and one, and one be a starter, one be a finisher. Um, and all offering something different as well. So if it's not if it's not not working, but if it's not having that desired effect and getting a goal to win a game, you can bring someone on to one pick the lock, and and we've got that in abundance, Matt. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, Nigel Pearson said after the game yesterday about our fitness levels were, were much better than um, than Mills yesterday. So you know, for every injury that we get and people question what we're doing fitness wise and how's this happening you've got the flip where we're, we're clearly seeing a benefit in terms of the the running stats and and, and what we're doing and um there's no doubt about it you, you've got to you've got to be right up there fitness wise if you want to be challenging where we want to be challenging this season so um that Birmingham game will be interesting and you know they, they, a 1-0 win at Le- against Leeds yesterday is a, a, a good yeah. result um, you know, I They're think everybody's dark horses, aren't they? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But but also, Paul, a lot of people's favourites for the drop because mm. of you know how they've been a bit of a shambles over the last couple of seasons. So um, yeah, you know that that's going to be an interesting game. And then similarly, you know, you look at QPR last week, where you could only see QPR being bottom of the table and Ainsworth being out potentially within a couple of weeks because of the way the fan base were talking. I mean, the fan base patch last game of the season when we were walking out were questioning Ainsworth, weren't they? Mm. We walked past quite a few. Um, and they go and get a result against Cardiff yesterday. So mm. it kind of sums up the championship. Yeah. Um, so not, not no, a, no not before, but yeah. Right. yeah. What, what yeah. I will say is we've probably spent, well, probably almost almost, well, sort of the last 10, 15 years bemoaning the fact when you come up against teams like Millwall, that they're better organised than us and they're better defensively and they work harder and they seem to want to win more. Yeah. And that's just flipped yesterday and it wasn't the Absolutely. case. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And and actually, even even the Preston game last week, I know Preston were better in the second half, definitely. But 
I think you also play in the first, it's the first game of the season and, and new players gelling. So yeah, it's, um, you know, we could be having this podcast next week and I'll be, I'll be talking about, you know, we'll be looking over our shoulders, <laughs> um, but it feels positive today. Um, and not just because of the win, it's the manner of the win and, you know, the, the who it was against. Um, and they, they are a big unit, Millwall, you know, they, those the players they've got, but I'd much rather watch us yesterday in the way that we played and tried to play yesterday. So, yeah, promising okay. stuff. Good stuff. Before we go, Paul, I see you've been um, praising Cider Reds, the new fan-produced programme. Tell us a little bit more about it and uh, why you like it. I think partly maybe I, just, I didn't have expectations of it. You know, being a fan-written thing, it's not, you know, they haven't got the official access to the club in the same way. They haven't got all the information in the same way to hand. I just, I probably expected maybe, a, I don't know, an eight to 12-page uh, base details and that's about it. But that's actually, it's a full programme. Um, the historical stuff is fantastic and probably something the club wouldn't necessarily dwell on too much. But so, you know, some of the stuff they've got in there from, um, you know, the, the right back to the 60s, even earlier, it's, it's just great. And it was just, I was really surprised, in, again, pleasantly surprised to turn up to the midweek game and find, you know, photos, results, interview snippets from the weekend game. Because, well, like you guys every Sunday morning, someone's obviously taken that on a Sunday, spent all day probably doing it and cutting it and writing it and editing it and getting it out and printed by Wednesday. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a great effort from someone to replace a gap that for many fans is a bit of an unacceptable gap from a club. And I yeah. totally understand there's an economic reason for that from a club, because I'm sure they were either not making money or making a loss on the programmes they were doing, but maybe a, a slimmed down version would have been a better way of doing it um, or a different way of doing it. But no, I just think it's, it's been really great. And, yeah, full credit to those doing it. I really hope the club don't stop them selling at the gate, uh, like at the entrance, because it's, you know, there's a little line in there saying we, we're, we're priced at this as long as the club allows us to still keep selling at the entrance, which would worry me if a club felt they needed yes. to do that. Right. Um, but as long as they do like the fanzine, I think yeah, it's a great, great introduction. And you can subscribe. You can you can get it cheap if you subscribe. And it, I can't tell you the amount of times, but between myself and my family, we looked at the back page of that program and those two games to see who the opposition players were, the numbers were. Oh, yeah. That's what that's what you used to do in games. You didn't, you know, yeah. you're not quite sure who they are. You look it up. There's the lad who played up front for Oxford. He was the 18 year old on Wednesday night. Yeah, and, you know, a couple, couple of times we looked at his name to see what it was because it was a bit of a different one, and just just to sort of remind yourself of that name, and it's just just nice to have that reference point at the game oh. when you're having to look at your phone and seeing all the other nonsense that's on your phone when you look at it in the mid middle of a match. What's the cost of it, Paul? It's four pound. I think it's three pound if you subscribe and pay in advance. Right, okay, and it, and it, and I, I'll be honest, it completely bypassed me. Is it cider reds? Is it the cider reds? Yeah, yeah. So we've right, okay. done a few in the past but this is obviously making a concerted effort to do one every match i think they're doing a home and away version as well i think they're planning yeah. to do a few away programs as well so there's a future yeah. guest really, on the really future guest on the pod patch yeah absolutely and also rj wallace three who we've had on the podcast the mishmash poster yes. which we've all got up in our little yep. bits Ryan, yep. Yep. um he's producing a, a program cover as well for every game and uh mm. The, first, the one that he's done for the Millwall game, obviously, is Alex Scott-focused, and it's a little lad picking him in his dream team on, yeah. um, on, the, on the computer there. So nice fantastic fan-produced stuff, which is what we are as well. Um, yep. It's all, all good. So thanks for that um, summary, 
Paul. Right, we'll leave it there. Uh, don't forget to follow us over on Twitter at 3PIAPC. And uh, Paul, as always, thanks for your contributions. And we'll be back you again next Happy week. Pleasure. Take care, everyone. Take Cheers care, all. Show me just what I'm